Hey y'all, this is Jenny. This is Hillary. Welcome to side B of Zeropa. Welcome. We just flipped the album. We did. However, we are still recording from last week, which means we are six shots into this episode. Before we start this song. Yes. We are six shots. Song will be number seven. Yeah. And our shot is called Far Away So Close. Yes. A recipe brought to us by our resident bartender, Kit Mullen Jr. And we're going to start with track six of Zuropa, which is Daddy's Gonna Pay for Your Crashed Car. I never took this song seriously. Ever. And I'm not sure I still should, but I like it a whole bunch more now than I did before. The intro of this is the best song that has ever... It is. There's a few... Samples. The opening is from Lennon's favorite songs, not John Lennon. Lennon. Lennon's favorite song is my Beatles cover band. Oh, there you go. But Lennon, not Lennon. It sounds the same. I know, but they're spelled differently. I know they How would you spell it in your cover band name? I would spell it Lennon like John. Okay. But Kip isn't spelled Mullen like Larry. No. So, but it sounds exactly the same. So this whole album is full of samples, which was a big, huge deal for you too, but is The City Sleeps by MC 900 Feet Jesus. You know, that guy. Did I write that right? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's the banging. If you, if Have you, you did heard not, this? it needs to be your Depeche Mode cover band. Have you heard this song? I'm going to play a really, really so much that no one will even know that it's in the episode. Okay. 900 Feet Jesus. (laughs) Well, that's... There you go. Yep. So what was the name of Lennon's favorite song? I just wrote down that that was a compilation on some Moscow-based record label. Lennon's favorite songs was the name of the album in this opening. Do, 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 so it do, says, yeah. there's a link that says Lennon's favorite songs, like it's a playlist. It's an album. <laughs> it's an actual album. Holy shit. Well, it says here, sample. <laughs> Hold on, I'm going to find the actual song. But it says, was sampled and daddy's going to pay for your crash car. Yeah. Well, I got to find it. Okay, well, while you're looking for that, the whole basis of the song is like sugar daddy. First of all, you're a slave to your own vice. And what you need is what's going to destroy you. But there's daddy. He's paying for stuff. He's cleaning up your messes. And eventually you're going to spontaneously combust. But for now, you got someone taking care of you. And are you finding it? Yeah, there's the opener. I'm going to talk over it. Okay, go ahead. I'm stopping it now. (laughs) Sure shit. I'm saving that. So, (laughs) back in our last app, we were talking about the crashed car imagery in Stay. And then there's crash cars here. So when the Berlin Wall was up, there was this section that was like sectioned off for like the gypsies, the transient people. And they Bono used the term crusty people. Did he say crusty people? 
pretty sure he's the crusty people. <laughs> anyway, it was literally like burned out crashed cars that these people lived on. And then when the wall came down and the city was growing and downtown was going up, these people, these transient people still had this protected area. So while the band was there during the Octon Baby sessions, this was across the street from the studio or where they were staying, something like that. So this is where the crash car imagery comes from, was him seeing that all the time. Crusty People is the name of my insane clown posse cover band. <laughs> That's Crusty the Clown from yeah. The Simpsons. I got it. So I hear Daddy's Gonna Pay For Your Crash Car, and I hear, I love Bono's vocals. I don't love, I mean, the lyrics are fine, but his vocals are just really different, and I think it's because in his head he sang it as McFisto. I could see that, yeah. Yeah. Because he performed it as McFisto. Yeah. But I bet he recorded it with that. Yeah. They sang it, I think they sang it in full ten times. Ten times, that's what I have. All in 1993. Going back to, and I mean, I know this isn't the story, but in my head, going back to when they were recording Zuropa and they'd play a show, and Bono said he would leave and get on the plane to go home as McFist. Yeah. And I mean, I know he said he went directly to the studio, and I, you know, we'll talk about this later, but I know that. You know, his wife said it would it would fuck him up. It would fuck the kids up for him to go home and be in right. limbo like that. So he didn't. But in my imagination, it's like, man, can you imagine McFisto coming in to say goodnight? <laughs> I would seriously fuck up your kids. Right? But that's just how I see it in my that's head. That's a really good way to put it. Or like waking up and, vocals. and driving a carpool. <laughs> Hi, y'all. <laughs> Makeup running on his face. Yeah. So, I anyway, I see the argument about domesticity and rock and roll. Yeah. So, clearly, it's about a heroin addict relying on her sugar daddy. So, Bono says that you can be strung out on other things besides smack. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like smack is such a uncool daddy thing to say. <laughs> I don't think the kids call it smack anymore, do they? No, but I don't think that anyone who's ever been a heroin addict has called it smack. I don't know. I've never Me neither. been in that genre. I think I've known one person that I assumed was a heroin addict, but I don't know that for sure. Right. But we didn't talk about smack, but I feel like, I don't know, like people are smoking the marijuana cigarettes or whatever. <laughs> like, if you say that, you've never smoked pot before. <laughs> marijuana cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like Bono saying smack is just him never have encountering drugs. Right. I mean, in his person, not... Right. So I hear Daddy's Gonna Pay For Your Crash Car as being very complex for an album that was made that fast i mean this song is just there's again like we've been saying so many layers but then music alone i don't know how you can conjure that up that fast there's a lot going on and gosh i thought i had this written down for the song that it goes with but i haven't come upon it yet in my notes so it makes me think it's this song that was originally 
Is it this song was originally a drum machine, and then they decided in production they wanted it to be Larry's drums? Yeah. Yes, I think it was this song. I mean, it's a very produced technology sound. Right. But I love that. Aha, Shala. I love love it. Again, it's almost like a Bono duet, but it doesn't have the change like baby face like it's not that oh. big of a, a gap and but the it's chorus like he, his voice goes very flat but it's like he sings right over i don't know i don't know the term i'm looking for but it's like he finishes a verse and then goes right into like you can't sing there's, like that no like, like there, yeah there's no break yeah i love it i love that i really really love that it's like you've got to be jacked up on speed to get through it <laughs> smack smack yeah <laughs> <laughs> Smack is whack. Nancy Reagan. I think that was Whitney Houston. That was. I was just thinking about the war on drugs. Well, I mean that too, but is that Barbara Bush? No, it's Nancy Reagan. Who just had, say no? Just say no is Nancy Reagan. Yeah. Did she also do the parental advisory label? No, that was Tipper Gore. Oh, that's Tipper. Oh, thank you. Yeah. No, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> No problem. Any any other White House first lady inquiries? Not at the moment, thank you. <laughs> Is there more to say about Daddy's gonna pay for your crushed car? No, I don't think so. It's a really cool song. Very cool. And real quick, so there was some time when the band was down under in Australia. I forget which show we noticed it in, but he did a little tiny little clip in a song and we were like what the fuck like where did that come from has he even heard or sang this song since 1993 and it turns out that one two three four times in europe on e and i he snipped it he did it in chicago in 05 and then every other time was in 93 but it's been around a little clip of this song which i thought was pretty interesting that of all the songs to make snippet appearances throughout the years and this was one of them okay should we toast to this song we got toast to daddy <laughs> i mean he's paying for our crash car so he is to daddy he's our comfort he's, he's our best friend best friend he's gonna hold our hand right up to the end he's our saving grace or saving something it's not grace he's definitely gonna pay for our crash car <laughs> <laughs> and daddy won't daddy won't let you be okay moving on to track seven we are now at wait how many shots have we had we've had seven seven shots okay so the next song track seven is some days are better than others and the first thing i wrote down was some lyrics are better than others <laughs> but this is how much i have about the song. I can't see. It's a whole damn page. It shocked the hell out of me that I had this much to write. I have two things. <laughs> okay. Listening to it for the sake of this episode, I think it's my second favorite song on the album. I kind of wondered. Re- listening to it, it was in a, like a, oh, I think this is my second favorite song. It was just like... It's definitely like my second favorite song. So I read this quote from Bono, and he called it a summer song, that it's just fun. And when I started listening to it in that context, I was like, this song is amazing. Yeah. So 
Ron talks about the juxtaposition of his moods. Yes. And we'll get to this on another app when we do our Pop Mart app. But <laughs> I witnessed this one time. I don't even know when this shit happened. But if Bono says he's moody, believe that because <laughs> I saw it once and it made me cry. He says, one of the things I have to deal with every day is the fact that I'm very moody. I just had to have fun with it. I feel like I should have listened to this song a whole lot better before <laughs> I chose to <laughs> argue with him. But or maybe I should have just not argued with him. <laughs> but he shouldn't have argued with me. So no. it's not just me. But we'll no. get to that later. This is another... I don't know, I love this. This made me laugh in my car when I was thinking about it. But one of the lyrics is, some days have bouncers and won't let you in. <laughs> so I was trying to think of a scenario where a bouncer would ever deny Bono entry to a bar or a club, and then it hit me. If the boy-girl ratio is off, the yeah. last person, and you're a guy there that wants to pick up a girl, the last person you want to see in that club or that bar is Bono. Yeah. Because you you will immediately be invisible. So maybe there have been bouncers that won't let him in. Possibly. I heard it was a I heard it was a nod to the guys at the kitchen. Maybe they were his minders and they're you Time know to go home. Yeah. That could possibly <laughs> be it. But I'm thinking if it wasn't his bar or club yeah. If it was some random place, why wouldn't he be allowed in? <laughs> and that might be it. If it was like a high-end bar or club or something, yeah. and they needed to have a higher female ratio. I mean, I was at a club one time where a bar, a big club bar thing, where I got in right away and they wouldn't let my brother in because the ratio was off. Right. They needed more girls. Yeah, so if that's the case, I would think <laughs> it would be to a bouncer's best interest to not have. It definitely would be yes. to the guy's best interest for Bono not to be there. Yes. Because he walks in and nobody's looking, even to the girls, because he walks in and nobody's <laughs> looking at anybody but him. Right, right. And it also made me think, if he wasn't a rock star, if he wasn't famous... I feel like his personality could probably conjure that reaction anyway. Oh, totally. Like, I feel yeah. like if he was just an English teacher or something, he still probably would have been able. <laughs> if he was a car salesman that played guitar, he would probably still be able to walk into a bar and everybody would look at him. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so I have another. Okay, let's hear Firstly, it. Firstly, it was played zero times, and I've heard it. As many Zero. times. <laughs> yeah, so it makes me listen to this. Firstly, it sounds like Bono's smiling when he sings. Yeah. Like, Daddy's going to pay. He was McFisto. But this song, it's like he just smiles through the whole song. And my boss says all the time, if you smile when you talk on the phone, it comes across in your voice. Yeah. And I'm like, but I don't like being here. So... <laughs> <laughs> so I hear that I hear Bono smiling, sing, singing, smiling. This song makes me think that this whole album is basically a giant fuck you to everyone everywhere. There's nothing conventional or even familiar about Zuropa. Yeah. It's, it's barely marketable. 
aside from the fact that it's a U2 album. It wasn't planned. There wasn't a deadline. It sounds like an established band comfortable and enjoying writing songs together. And that's a really unique sound, but that runs throughout the whole album. But I think it just comes to a head on some days are better than others. It's just, God, I love it. I love Bono's voice in it. I just, I mean, I've always liked the song, but it's never hit me like it did listening for the sake of the set. When you told me earlier, it was earlier today or yesterday that, you know, Stay is the obvious best song on this album. And you're like, I've got a new one and I think it'll surprise you. I thought it was either this one or Daddy's. Yeah, it, this is a standout. There's no doubt in my mind. This is my second favorite. It's just, I don't know. It, and it's so not a me kind of song. I generally don't like shiny, happy people. <laughs> right. That equivalent. Like, what the fuck is up with that song? On the same album as Losing My Religion or whatever. Anyway, I don't know anything about R.E.M. Yeah. That's all I have on some days. It's just the top I said love, fun. <laughs> the thing is, it's not like a slick song, which a lot of their pop songs are like that. It's just very polished. It's not yeah. like that. I've said forever before they ever had a best up greatest hits or anything that their greatest hits album should be called songs that make you want to jump off a bridge. <laughs> and this does not fall into that category. No. I like that most of the verses are just this drums and bass. Yeah. And then it's in the chorus, like the whole band comes in and it gets perkier. Yeah. It's more pop, more of a pop song. But having the bass really lead the whole. Yeah. The song, bass. It doesn't, and it's not like incognito. It is the whole song. And I think that's something that I mention it later, but I think that's something that is not spoken of as much as it should for Zuropa is the bass. Yeah. Adam is just kills it on Zuropa. Absolutely. And I don't know that he's I mean he's killed it many times before, but I think that war and Zuropa are his biggies. Yeah. But but more, but yeah. Album titles. I was just real quick side note, which is only pertinent in the moment. We just had the fortieth anniversary of Boy. Rocky O'Riordan did some interviews with Steve Lillywhite and Steve Averill on U2X Radio. And Steve, who produced Boy, went on and on and on about Adam's bass on that album. Just how Adam just killed it on Boy. But it's so interesting to me because if you read Neil McCormick's book, he says that Adam isn't that... That he's a little tone deaf and that he relies heavily on the rest of the band you know keeping him yeah afloat which i mean that's what a band is for i have no problem with that that's why you're a but band and not a solo artist yeah exactly but i don't i disagree with that to some extent with my limited knowledge without being a a musician be a bass player or in the recording studio <laughs> right i disagree with that yeah well the, the only thing that makes me think otherwise is that years ago I saw Spider-Man on Broadway. I don't know right. if I've mentioned this before, but it's worth mentioning again if I did. Mm-hmm. The guitar sounds like Edge. The vocals sound like Bono. The drums do not sound like Larry, but the bass sounds like Adam. 
Interesting. And to me, that was a kind of, well, how'd they do that? You know, right. like the drums are clearly not a Larry vibe. And I mean, maybe, I don't know, I can't explain that. But that was something that really stood out to me. Like if I heard those songs without knowing anything about it, I would say that's Adam playing right. bass. But anyway, that's, I think Adam is an amazing bass player. Me too. At least he's got that really great bass player face, like and that all his hairs. Yeah, and I mean, like I feel like there are tons of bass, you know, like I don't know, Flea's a really good bass player, but he doesn't get that look. Sting gets that look. Yeah. Where it's like I don't even know. It's like I'm just too cool to be here, kind of thing. Right. Um, exactly. Like I'm cooler than all of you. Right. But like, I'll tolerate you guys, you. you guys don't even know, like, the level. I'm tolerating this right, right. now. <laughs> and this is somehow my, this is to my advantage because I don't have to work as hard as you guys. Right. So I'm just going to look cool. <laughs> okay, are we ready to toast this song? Yes. Ready? You got your drink? I got it. Um, and for Jesus and his mother. <laughs> And days you can't stand the sight of a puppy. (laughs) What are those days? I do love... I want some popcorn. Some days just drop in on us. Fuck those days. (laughs) I know. I really feel that song nowadays. Yeah. But I mean, there's never a day that I can't stand the sight of a puppy. I never get that low in life. No. This is true. But some days are sneaky. And days are sloppy. Yeah. Okay, so moving on to track eight. The first time. I also have an entire freaking page about this song. Really? I do. It's been played 30 times. I've heard it twice. I have 39 written down. Nine might be snippets. Okay. Oh, so there were snippets in 1993. And all the full versions were on Vertigo. Interesting. How many times have you heard it? Oh, it says I've heard it two times. Well, there you go. I think... Was there... I don't think there was any single show that I I went to without you for Vertigo. That's That's so not true. I went to two shows without you. What were those shows? New York and Pittsburgh. Well, there you go. Those are the two you heard? Did you hear it more than that? No, I only heard it two times. But so the I saw the shows I saw on the first leg of Vertigo I did not see with you. I only saw two. Okay. Chicago and Boston. Okay. And Chicago we crossed. I did one and you did the next kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. When, maybe you got there the next day because I bet you wouldn't have been there for Mother's Day because you were already a mother. Yeah, maybe. Except, um, damn, it's my day. I should do what I want. Well, maybe you were there. I don't know, but my mom said I had to go home. But my dad never says that. He's like, whatever. But my mom's like, no. And funny, so like, my husband wants Father's Day to be about family time, and I want Mother's Day to be about me. Right, so... Being away and gone. <laughs> maybe the thing is that my dad isn't able to throw around the same guilt that my mom is. Yeah. 
and he maybe wants us to be because I missed Father's Day one year to go to a U2 show yeah I Mother's Day I really want people just to leave me the fuck alone I would leave town every year if I could well one year we need to you have Mother's Day I'll spend not a Mother's Day sounds good okay Okay, so for the first time, I think it's really interesting that it follows the lightness of some days. Like, yeah. Because it's so heavy compared to the just the Bono calls it a poetic moment in the middle of chaos. And, and it's absolutely such personal lyrics. Like, Bono says it's about losing your faith. And I mm-hmm. feel like most U2 songs have notes of losing your faith, like, you know, wine or questioning has, faith or, yeah, right. something like, like that. Yeah. Like wine has notes of chocolate or, you know, right. cherry or manure or whatever. But <laughs> manure. it's happened. Ask Amanda. I've heard the story. Um, <laughs> anyway, kind of as usual, I'm not interested in that. You can lose your way with or without faith. Like I have maybe mentioned yeah. this before, but I have this Hillary string theory, which is that I taught preschool and there was like construction in the middle of how we got to the playground. Yeah. And so the other teacher in the class had this idea of getting everybody, all the kids to hold onto a string. Yeah. I know I've told you this, but I'm not sure if I've said it on. Yeah, I don't know. Pod. So I mean, I know but, it, but yeah. But anyway, so some of the kids didn't hold on to the string at all and got right to the playground with no problem. Right. Some of the kids did not hold on to the string and walked into a pole, but most of the kids <laughs> held on to the string and walked into the pole. And yeah. it's like some people need that string and other people don't need it. I think that for me, it's like I want it to be there. I don't know that I need it all the time but you know I feel like being lost losing your way and believing in God or some supreme being is you can have both of those things so I'm like I disagree with Bono on I mean this is obviously he wrote the lyrics but my vibe of not my vibe of the lyrics but my my vibe of the principle of faith I disagree with him on many levels and this is one of the this song right here is maybe of all of Bono lyrics I would like to discuss this with him again I'm not really interested in faith versus losing your way because you can have both of those things which I think he doesn't think that but he also says that he mentions people who have the courage not to believe Right. and that to me is actually a really interesting idea i mean i feel like i get out of bed every morning because i believe that there is something greater than me right and And i get out of bed every morning without it ever crossing my mind yeah (laughs) and i know and i don't know what that is like i actually had this conversation with our bartender in residence a few weeks ago you know when you say I'm going to say a prayer or something. Mm -hmm. I don't really know what that is. Like, I don't, but I believe there has to be, and it might be a cop-out. Bono says there are people that have the courage not to believe. And I feel like that's me. I don't have the courage to 
not believe there's something out there that's more powerful. There's something out there that's bigger than than I am. And I don't think I have that courage. So that is really the conversation that I, more than anything, and rem, please remind me if we ever have whiskey and cake. That's what this you want to Yeah. This and I'm the, sure I'll just be a fly on the wall. This is the gone. song I want to talk about. And it. I don't want to have, like, I could argue my string theory that I don't yeah. think that everybody needs to hold on to the string. I mean, some people hold on to it and walk into a pole and some people don't need it at all. I like to know that the string is there. You know, generally I'm not interested in discussing faith with Bono. This song makes me want to do that. So if you're still listening to this, Jenny went to take out her dog and I am actually going to have a shot without her aware of this. I can't wait till she hears this when she edits. I'm sorry to interrupt you on that. That was such a deep moment. No, no, you're fine. Anyway, so the line, and this also just, you know, no matter what Bono does, the the lyrics are personal. I mean, like, like we've had this conversation before that Sting writes about a guy using his brother's gun and shooting someone. Like, right. If Bono wrote that song, I would need to make sure that his brother's gun wasn't missing and no one was shot. Exactly. Yeah. So on the same note that Bono says, I have a brother when I'm a brother in need, I spend my whole life running. He spends his running after me. To me, that is so powerful because you know, that's true. A thousand percent. Jenny's letting her dog back in and I'm going to have a half a shot now, you guys. So don't tell her. But, I mean, she'll find out when she edits. But for right now, this is just between us. Half a shot. Salute. So, Bono said this was originally written as, like, an up song. Like, an upbeat song. And that when he heard the melody and he heard the lyrics, he heard it all in, like, Al Green's voice. But he also said that when he hears a song and lyrics in another singer's voice, that it's an escape and an excuse for it to not be personal. So that's fascinating that you, I haven't read that, but that's fascinating that you said that because he said that his line, his very mean, awful line in Band-Aid, well, tonight, thank God it's them instead of you. He sang that in Springsteen's voice. Yeah. In his head, it was Springsteen. Yeah. But that's not nice either because why would he put that on Springsteen? No, but I think it's projecting. Like it's, it is. It's. I get that. I'm just scapegoat. But yeah. But interesting. Yeah. Hashtag. I mean, I also think roofs. He was just trying to sound cool. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but then, interestingly, <laughs> Band Aid was before We Are the World. So do you suppose that when Springsteen sang his lines from We Are the World, he was projecting Bono? I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> I've always heard this song as personal, as first person from Bono. Yeah. And especially that brother line and I know, well, the father is a rich man. I know this is talking about God or something like that. But 
<laughs> oh my god, what the shit is happening in your house? That was Spots. Can you just Same. give me one of those cats? I'll Pop take Spots. So, I mean, of course we always know that every U2 lyric is never about one thing. Yeah. There's so many layers. So this could very easily be a song about the son of a prophet and losing his faith and all of this and that, while it's Bono's own faith intertwined inside of it. Right. Obviously, if I had thoughts like this prior to now, I would have mentioned that to you because this song has hit me in a really profound way that I've never heard it like this before. If you're listening to your Bono or you know Bono, this, I need to discuss this song so much. And I'm not going to argue. It's not an argument. It's just, I would like to have a come to Jesus moment because, you know, I'm Jewish and all with Bono about this song because, and it's nuts because it's such the lyrics. I mean, it's only one, two, three, four, five, seven stanzas. Yeah. It's a short song. I mean, it's few lyrics to have. I don't know. It's just powerful to me. Say, I have never liked this song. And I mean that in a way that it's never, like, hit me. No, it never hit me until now. And, I mean, I think it's a beautiful song. But I think I don't enjoy it because it makes me feel uncomfortable. So I have another one like that when we move on. I don't take this. Look, uh, my reaction to the song is not about the lyrics or what I feel like was written in the song. It's what Bonham talks about the song meaning. That's what my reaction is. Right. That's what I find objection to. Yes. And I think and you should object I want to it. A dialogue. I'd like to have a, a dialogue. Come to Jesus dialogue. With Bonham <laughs> about the first time. Yeah. I mean, there are many other songs. Actually, though, I feel like Zuroba has just opened a door for me. I just never thought about this stuff. For the sake of this app, I've heard everything so differently that I've never thought about these things before. Or, in sense of this song, I'm not hearing it any differently. I'm just realizing why I don't enjoy it. And, like, and I totally get that. I mean, that was because it makes the lyrics, they make me so uncomfortable. It's the personalness of the faith, which, of course, is throughout all of U2's lyrics. But for some reason in this one, it hits me in a way that, and I think it's uncomfortable because I don't understand it. And so I totally get that, too. And I don't understand it either. But my kind of contempt of this dialogue is what makes me far more interested in it than I thought I was. So that is your big question over whiskey and cake yeah and i'm sorry jenny because i feel like that's gonna be like a really long conversation (laughs) but just keep drinking whiskey and eating cake and you know looking at bono (laughs) and just being like that works like if you find something that'll take an hour of our whiskey and cake time i will be like i'm i'm keeping time here but i'm gonna eat the cake okay so we're gonna do our shot yeah the ninth time. I feel love. For the ninth <laughs> time. Who <laughs> we? But if you guys were listening when Jenny wasn't around, it's really like the eleventh time. 
don't tell Jenny. <laughs> Look at Lily. Can you see her climb? Oh, she was. That blue thing is like a punching bag. Yeah. And she was like three quarters of a way up it. <laughs> she wearing a hood and like, let's get ready to rumble. Circus down here. I can't even stand it. Didn't you tell me that when you had a tour of the backstage, there was a punching bag? Sammy underground, maybe. Uh, this is what I remember. You said there was an oxygen tank and a punching bag. There was an oxygen tank, wasn't there? So there probably was. And I'm starting to have a flashback to like the tattoo story. So this is what I love about us. So, you know, Bono says new friends are great, but old friends are better because they know your memories. The Gavin Friday quote is, old friends are the best friends because they know just who you are. Okay, so... But the memories, yeah. I don't remember who said it, but... <laughs> I know, you're right. Bono said that. Because that Gavin was the said same, the other one. That was the same interview that Bono said. He was asked by Dave Fanning about friends, and he said that old friends know your memory but that was also the time Dave Fanning said you know how do your friends keep up with you if you want to get on a plane and go to France for actual champagne or something you can do that and Bono said the thing about generosity is letting other people be generous to you I have used that so many times to the point where my brother thinks my (laughs) uncle Joe said that (laughs) (laughs) Jeremy says it all the time, like, oh, Uncle Joe said that. And I'm like, no, I said that to Uncle Joe. (laughs) Like, we invited my aunt and uncle out to celebrate my parents' wedding anniversary. Yeah. And we were going to pay the bill. And my uncle was like, no, we pay the bill. And I'm like, no, the thing about being generous is letting other people be generous to you. And he's like, here you go. But he argues with his son about that. And he says... This is my time to pay, take my family out right. to dinner. You'll have your time to take your family out to dinner. Right. So it's like, whoa, I can't. There's two There's things. There's two sides there, yeah. But anyway, that's. You do that's know my story. memories. I do, but you know my memories. But that time under the stage was, it was such, it's such a blur. Yeah, I remember it. Because I I probably came out and said, this, 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 this. And then it was like fog. Yeah. Because it was such a blur, like such a surreal moment. So when you watch Twilight. Yeah. They say you need to remember all the things about being alive right when you die. Because when you're a vampire, your memories never go away. Yeah. But if you don't, like, conjure them up right when you become a vampire, then they're gone. Right. And so I just kind of feel like... I feel like I'm super well-read because I read Twilight. I feel like I need another intermediate shot. <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> I can't wait for you to listen. Because <laughs> <laughs> I went to let the dog out and you kept talking. Did you drink more then? Yes, I did. I'm like, shh, you guys... Don't tell Jenny. It's been way more than as many shots as I think I put more ginger ale in than I thought. Look, I think we're. Yeah. What is the measurement? 
my god, you're gonna make me read that? I can't read so it. So I have new contacts. I I'm at four ounces. I'm at five ounces. But the beginning, I wasn't pouring as full of shots because I was nervous. Hi everyone, this is Garden Tart Hillary. February is full of hearts galore and the Garden Tarts love hearts. So we've chosen the American Heart Association as our charity of the month. The American Heart Association is a nonprofit organization founded in 1924. They fund cardiovascular medical research and provide education on healthy living and cardiac care. Every single one of us has been touched by heart disease. So this month, a portion of the proceeds at our merch stand will be donated towards the charity of the month. For more information on the American Heart Association, go to heart.org and to shop at our merch stand, go to thegardentarts.com. Thanks for listening. We heart you. Hey there, friends, fans, and listeners. Jenny here. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a pretty big YouTube fan. And if you're a pretty big YouTube fan, you probably know about Bono's work in Africa through the organizations Red and One. Now, more than ever, it is imperative we give them our support as they are not only fighting the AIDS pandemic, but also the COVID-19 pandemic. And you can help. Go to red.org and one.org to find out how you can be involved. I went um, to the eye doctor a few months ago and both of my eyes were super different to the point that my eye doctor was like, I'm going to get you a whole bunch of samples and I'm going to get you what I'm seeing now, but some of them are going to be less because I really don't think your eyes change this much from before, like you're tired or it's something. So I tried all the different variations and like they all gave me a headache unless I only changed one. So my right eye, I have different, this is near and this is far or the opposite. So this is the new prescription and this is the old prescription and I don't get a headache that way, but my eyesight is still not great. So that was my issue with, I had Lasix. Right. If you guys don't know, I don't wear glasses anymore. Oh, I was going to this is just you and me. Yeah. No, I would like to discuss my Lasix. Okay. Because I feel like it's a public service announcement. I'm going to do a shot while you talk about your Lasix. Okay. So I had Lasix in 2018. And before they did it, they gave me contacts with different prescriptions. One for nearsightedness and one for farsightedness. Because the second I turned 40... I needed reading glasses. So I'm like, well, this is great. Well, you know, two birds, one stone. And I couldn't do it. I couldn't wear them. They gave me such a headache. I felt like my, it was my vision of depth perception that was so off. Like I was afraid to walk downstairs and stuff. Oh my goodness. I got used to them pretty quickly. Well, I said, I don't want the mono vision. I want the same. So when they did the Lasix, I had it the same in both eyes but now I need reading glasses, mm. which I guess that's better if, you This know. is how I don't need reading glasses. When I went from glasses to contacts, right. this eliminated the reading glasses. 
I just, I couldn't deal with it. And I wore those contacts, the, that prescription for a few days. And I was just like, nope, I want, yeah, I want both my eyes to be the same, which is not a problem because you can get reading glasses for a dollar at the dollar store. Right. It's just that now I seriously need them. We didn't drink our shot, our bonus shot. Did you? I did. I did not, but I'm also two shots ahead of you. Two? <laughs> I'm going to do another. <laughs> You'll see when you edit. When I edit it, we only got two songs left. And I got plenty of drink left. We are on to track nine. Track nine. Which is Dirty Day. Which, which to me is the album highlight of Adam's bass. Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah, and I they, would like to say this is the only rock song on the album. God, I love this song. We missed this in Dublin by like two days. In my memory, I could have sworn we heard it. No, we, we didn't. saw video. No, but I remember in our show, they still had the cartoons of their fathers. Did? No. I'm pretty sure about that. I did not see them if they did. So the end of the EMI I don't, tour. I don't remember it from the fifth, but for some reason the sixth. But I might that might not be my memory. That yeah. might be because I watched those shows. So the end the E and I tour ended in Berlin because Bono lost his voice before then, but it was supposed to end with four shows in Dublin. We went to those first two shows. And then the second two shows, and then Berlin, they did Dirty Day in 2018. But we should talk about it from the actual Zeropa album. Yeah, we, we should. This is a heavy song. It's really heavy. This is another one I call bullshit on the lyrics. Bono says that it's about a father leaving his family and then trying to unite years later with his son that he abandoned. Right. But he uses phrases that his father said. But what are phrases? So I call bullshit on that because I feel like a parent doesn't have to leave their family for a child to feel abandoned. And right. I totally think it's like 100% about Bono's father, whether he knows it or not. Exactly. Um, just because his father had this tough guy persona like in my head his father was my grandfather and they died at the same time bono was this moody artistic kid who probably didn't give a shit or notice that his father was distant but when bono grew up to be a man and a parent when he wanted to then have that relationship they were too far gone right and that's what i think this song is about so I said there are four, but there are actually five phrases in this song that come straight from Bono's dad. This is from quotes from Bono. I don't know you, and you don't know the half of it, is from his dad. Dirty day is something his dad would say. It won't last kissing time, which is something his dad would say, which basically means it won't last, which is what he would say about the band. Right. <laughs> his dad would say about you too. He would say, no blood, thicker than ink, and nothing's as simple as you think. And but that just doesn't just happen. You don't just all of a sudden say five different phrases your dad says. 
The uh, no, the other one is if you need someone to blame, throw a rock in the air, you'll hit someone guilty. His so dad said that too. Yeah, I don't remember reading. That wasn't in anything I read today, but I remember that Bono has mentioned that in interviews in the past. It sounds it like something your dad if you would throw say. Throw a rock in the air, you're gonna hit someone guilty. Yeah. The communal your. This has been played 13 times. 10 times was in 1993, three times in 2018. And in 2018, all the graphics was fathers and sons, the YouTube boys and their dads, and them becoming their fathers. Right. I recently read something with Adam that, I mean, I think I knew this, but I, I haven't been, unfortunately, keeping track, but he's the only one who still has this apparent. I feel like I heard an interview, maybe it was that Canadian interview that Adam did for All They Can't Leave Behind, saying that he was the only one with a parent still living in the whole band. Yeah. That's crazy. And, you know, I look at my mom, who is 70, she'll be 76 next month. Yeah. And her mother is still around. That's insane how old's your buddy's 98 you said she'll be 95 oh 95 that is so rare it is and so i say to my mom all the time you know when she's climbing a ladder to replace the light bulb that's hanging over the stairs or something like that i'm like look you've got this longevity in your family you need to not do that shit so that when you're 94 but it's also different. My grandmother had a kid when she was 18. My mom was almost 30 when I was born. Right. You probably remember this at our wedding reception when my dad was giving a toast. He said to my brand new husband, and by the way, we don't die. <laughs> right? Right? <laughs> I drink I, a lot of beer and eat a lot of wheat thins, but we don't I, die. <laughs> So I actually gave a speech at your rehearsal dinner, you which did? is really not like me. Yeah. I mean, I was a maid of honor once and I had to give a speech, but that's really unlike me. But I think I got up and said, hi, I'm Hillary Jenny's Jewish friend. I think you did too. <laughs> but then after funny that- half it, the crowd was Jewish. <laughs> I know. After that, it was like, I was- <laughs> honorary cousin I was rushed by all the Jewish people in your family <laughs> Jenny's Jewish friend <laughs> you were my you were an instant cousin <laughs> well, I feel like I was actually a cousin before you got married oh yeah for sure but that just really solidified it that whole yeah. like weekend really solidified it I don't know that there's anybody else that I feel like I am so united with their family than yours. It's like, oh yeah, I told your cousin that or whatever. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> there was something recent, I guess is when you first got diagnosed with COVID and like cousin commented on your post and my sister's like, how the fuck do they know each other? <laughs> I'm like, Where have you been? They're cousins. Like, Dude, we... And that particular cousin, I have spent a very long time, quantity-wise, with yeah. over the years. 
and we have technology and weird stuff in common, so it's like blah 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 blah. Oh Good phone, Blackberry, <laughs> whatever <laughs> Apple's gonna do. Yeah, but that's funny your sister said that because I, uh, I mean, you have two cousins that I'm very much embedded with. Right. And not only that, but at your wedding, their mother was like, what? I'm like, oh my God, I know your sons. He's like, what? <laughs> okay, Dirty Day. So there's a lot of stuff with Dirty Day that Slobano says it's influenced by his father, but also Charles Bukowski. And the days run away like horses over the hill is a direct quote from him. So I guess the combination of his dad and reading Bukowski is what brought Dirty Day on. It's a great song. It, it is a great song. And it feels, though, like it. the name is meant for it. It feels like a dirty song. Like there's yeah. gravel and dirt in that song. Something really um, interesting is, and we'll get more into this when... I was going to leave this for the very end, but I'm going to get into it now a little bit. When we do our book report on At the End of the World, Bill Flanagan says that he said he made a note the first time he heard Zeropa all the way through that the album sounded post-sexual. And if you think about Octum Baby, it's so sex-heavy. Sex, sexuality, sex as in female versus male, all-encompassing. And Zeropa is like hits the phase where man as in person has had or has been exposed to all the sex it needs and this is what is next in life hmm he's got a lot more he's way more eloquent and a great big huge paragraph (laughs) (laughs) but when i get back to like dirty day we're getting the dirty like when you think like oh something's dirty like i immediately go to like sexual that's what made me think of this quote but it's not like you said it's it's physically dirt gravel and shit yeah that's that's how i see it right but that different definition of dirty made me think about that post-sexual and well we can talk more about that when we do our book report yeah so you know the I feel like there are a lot of, and I don't remember the song because I've had 20 shots tonight, but Bono quotes Sam Shepard a whole lot everywhere. Yeah. Do you know who he is? He's dead. But do you know who he was? Did you ever watch Bloodline? Yeah. That's the grandpa. Really? Yep. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I mean, but yeah, that's that's the grandfather who dies in Bloodline. Really? Yeah. And he's dead in real life. Right. But I love that guy. I love that actor. He was mm-hmm. just a handsome actor. I can't think of anything else he was in. But for a really long time, I had I wasn't sure that what who Bono was quoting was that same Sam Shepard, but it is. I've never read anything that he's written. I probably should. He contributed banjo on Patti Smith's cover of Smells Like Teen Spirit. Oh, I've heard that. No, I didn't hear about Sam Shepard, but I have heard that. 
version. Her version of When Doves Cry is amazing, if you haven't really? heard that. Yeah. I have not heard that. I'll have to look. Is that an album of covers, maybe? I don't know. It's on my phone. Somehow I found it years and I'll years ago. Is there more about this song? I have nothing else. But I'm shaking my... Does everyone want to hear my shaker shaking? I can shake mine, but I already poured my next shot. Oh. But I'll still shake first. I got behind because I took an intermediate shot. I took dog shots. Meanwhile, <laughs> I was letting the dog. And I perfectly one left for our last song. I think I still have two shots left. Two shots I, of half. I've got two shots of happy. Zero shots of that. Okay, so two. Kissing time. Kissing time. <laughs> Genius. Thank you, Bob Houston. I love my new shot glasses. I can't wait to get mine. I wish we could put them in our store, but they're from a different place. We'll have to find a way to sell them if people want them. We're on to our very last song, number 10. We are on to The Wanderer, which has been played twice. Once was for a TV special for Johnny Cash, which I think they did during a sound check, maybe. And then the other time was actually on 360. Um, track 10, shot 13, 14. <laughs> oh, no. 14 for me, I'm pretty sure. Okay, so what I have is, again, I discussed before, Bono says this song fits the Wanderlust theme. Of Zerobra. Mm-hmm. I totally get that. And, and not only that, but I identify with that Wanderlust way of life so much. All I ever want to do is I, I want to buy suitcases all the time because generally at any time I have like four trips planned. And I've had I... no trips planned in the past year. No, I packed a suitcase and went away for a weekend last January. And we can't you in early March, which kind of counts as traveling. I mean, it does, it does, but I, my whole existence, that wanderlust, like, I buy things with the understanding that I need this to travel. When Bono talks about wanderlust, I mean, not only in this album, just in general, he likes to talk about it, and how he wasn't sure how family was going to work with his inability to stay home and family's the only thing that brings him home i just the amount of like jealousy that runs through my veins that he has this freedom to just travel and be that just that wanderlust spirit is stronger in me than i'd like to admit because i don't have that Uh, freedom no i know and i see that issue with you i just can't wait i can't commit that's why i'm like I can't go to Dublin. Right. But so I can't wait for there to be a day where your kids can do that. And then we get two rooms. One of them stays with me. I'm pretty sure that's Grace. And and Sadie (laughs) stays with you. That's not my... I love them both equally, but I feel like Grace likes me better than Sadie does. (laughs) But that's, that's what our future looks like. Like right. we go to see I don't know where my husband is in that. <laughs> I don't know, but he he's gonna be fine with he's gonna be with the boys. Right. He can come along. He can stay with you and Sadie, but 
I've always planned in my head of Grace coming to visit and us going on tour and Grace is going to stay with me. So, I mean, I hope you understand that. Totally. <laughs> I hope Sadie understands that. Sadie totally understands that because she needs her mama. Speaking of the Wanderer. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of the Wanderer and Uncle Bono and Uncle Johnny. <laughs> so I usually don't ever want anyone else to sing a U2 song. But if it's got to be anyone, it's got to be Johnny. It's got to be Johnny. I mean, Willie is nice, too. But Willie's with Johnny, Frank, that's fine. But the utmost... So Bono wrote this song. It's a story of a preacher on an epic journey. So if the beginning of the album is no compass, no map, this is said to be like the answer to that. Here's a wanderer on his journey. He's got his compass. He's got his map. He's trying to figure shit out. But it's wanderlust. It's it's not preacher stuff. And I think it's my understanding that Bono wanted to call it Johnny Cash on the moon. (laughs) Something like that. But Ed Ed suggested the Wanderer because it fits that Wanderlust. And Bono's like, I'm okay with that. It's cool. (laughs) So the lyric is based on the book of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament, which translates to the preacher. That's what Bono wanted to call it, the preacher. So I have a lot on that line. Ecclesiastes is from the Old Testament, which I am quite familiar with as being Jewish. And what I know from Ecclesiastes is to everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. A time to be born, a time to die. The bird song. Turn, turn, turn. (laughs) So my mom, when I was a kid, she was fairly amazing artist like I have always lived in that shadow because I can't draw a stick figure and she has paintings and calligraphy and so my mom has that's like my mom's favorite passage ever and she has it on New Year's cards she has it on sympathy like she's made these drawings and it's in our house this amazing it's like a tree and Ecclesiastes. So this is where I'm going with this. Sounds so serious. But that's my lounge song for Bono. I want him to do a mashup of Turn, Turn, Turn by the Birds and the Wanderer. (gasps) Finally, another lounge song. I love it. (laughs) That's that's my loud like I need to hear some mashup and I mean he's creative <laughs> he can figure out how to mash up totally I mean come on like, anyway Ecclesia that means a lot to me I don't know about the preacher I know about to everything there is a season because right. that's that's my mom's like go-to but also you know the birds who I adore I need some The Birds vinyl. <laughs> I don't have any. But this is, I feel like, I mean, I am just touching the surface of this, but I feel like there's so much, this is the song to me, that there's so much biblical shit that I can't even touch. I can't even get close to. Oh, God, no. 
Yeah. And to me, it's the... I feel like it's a companion of Wake Up Dead Man. Yeah. Which is... Oh, that's a great... Song. Yeah. To me, it's like, I can't... I'm not even going to scrape the surface of these because I know both The Wanderer and Wake Up Dead Man are aligned, and I don't understand that. That's just beyond my religious capacity. Oh, that's deep right there. Thank you. That's like also... That. 25 shots <laughs> so you're just you should just be glad that I wrote it down yeah right well it's, themes just keep on happening this is true and it's I mean even in some days are better than others he's got to mention Jesus and his mother like it's right just keeps on happening but this song so apparently Bono kind of tricked Johnny Cash to coming in they really wanted him to do it and Johnny was in town in Dublin for a gig. And they're like, why don't you just come on in and sing a few lines? Hang out, <laughs> have some dinner, and just hang out with us. So it turned into Here's this. And one of, the, one of the great stories Ivana tells that I love is that he was trying to switch up some of the lyrics. So some of it sang smoother. And Johnny Cash did something like, oh, but that's when I get to be unpredictable. And Vanna was like, oh, learning from the masters. <laughs> right. And I love that. That's where I get to be unpredictable. And this was before Johnny Cash did his album of covers with like Hurt and stuff on it. Right. So that was his like American music series or something. Right. But this is just perfect. And I read something like Bono isn't even featured on this, but he is at the very end in all the ooze which is a beautiful thing to hear so it's interesting that you know my, I, I say all the time and you say it too that our fathers are, are big contributors to our music taste right our daddies of and course, my yes. daddy has paid for my crash car before just so my you know. daddy has and also never, he has since I've had COVID, I'm not working and I get like 60% of my paycheck, which isn't enough. So my daddy's still paying for, you know, my COVID. But I, we have wonderful fathers and we're definitely yeah. daddy's girl. I mean, yeah. like not even close. But anyway, so it's interesting because before you two ever got on board with this stuff, my dad his favorites have always been Johnny Cash and Pavarotti and Willie Nelson and B.B. Uh, King, you know? And so, I mean, way before, like you can look through his record collection that are all original records. He bought them when they came out right. and he got there way before they did. So like, you know, he's like, I love you too. <laughs> I love the wanderer. I love slow dancing. I love when love comes to town. I love Miss Sarajevo. And I'm like, you don't like you too. <laughs> you don't like you too. You just, you like Bono. That's what you like. You don't know it, but. Your fans are the same. Right. <laughs> I swear, there has always been, I mean, before I got there even, I mean, before I was aware, my Irish 
connection. Like he says in a former life, he was an Irish potato farmer because he grows potatoes in our backyard and he likes Irish anything, Irish spring and literally uses Irish spring soap. (laughs) Literally. I'm not like making this shit up. Right. And he loves Irish music. And then he's like, Oh, do you want to go see the Irish tenors with me? And I'm like, I don't like Irish music. But I wasn't anyway. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not really interested in that stuff. I'm not really interested in Irish music. <laughs> so I realized through all of this that I really thought I would have some questions to ask Bono over whiskey and cake as we went through this album and these songs. And they have, it has just not popped up. I was like, oh, I'm going to have like a dozen questions as we go through this album. So I think what I have to do is ask this question over Whiskey and Cake is, what is his reinterpretation of this album as a 60-something-year-old? Right. As opposed to the 30-something-year-old when he wrote it. 33-year-old. Yeah. I think that's a fabulous question. I mean, he wrote it half a lifetime ago. I mean, that that's another thing that my dad says all the time. You hear Tony Bennett singing, <laughs> I left my heart in San Francisco or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, when you first started singing that, did you think you'd still be singing that like 60 years later? Right. And he says that about U2 stuff, like Sunny Bloody Sunday. He was like, when, you know, they wrote Setting Bloody Sunday, did they think that they would be singing it 30 some years later? And I'm like, well, maybe, but think of, you know, there's far more before then. I mean, think about right. Out of Control that that's still to this day. Bono sings and it was written on his 18th birthday. Right. But you're so right. How does Zuropa age? Because the EU and Europe has changed so much. Well, it has, but also, I mean, just because of where he was in that life, in that time. I mean, writing this stuff as, though it's not family-oriented except for, like, his father, but writing that stuff as, like, a new Europe and a new father. And they already had an established career, but it was obviously still shooting up looking back at that as now being 60 and having an even more established career and having his father has passed away oh, and he has grown yeah. children that's a great question so ask that like and then I'll i will ask. and there's our hour conversation because <laughs> dirty day the reflection of you know most of their fathers being gone and then them being fathers has a new relevance to it. I would imagine that Stay is a song they imagine they would always sing. Right. That song was never going away. No, it's always pertinent. It was an instant classic. But then are there any other songs that he could see reimagining as fitting into his and their current life? That would be interesting. Well, what song would you want them to bring back more than anything? Hmm. That's hard, actually. I always, I mean, hearing Zuropa, actually hearing Zuropa live wasn't what I hoped it would be. I have to admit that. But I only heard it once, and I think it really kind of knocked me off my feet, and I need to hear it. You, like, when you get surprises like that, you you can't take it in the first time. Right. 
you know, oh, I, so get I, never, I never heard it again. It's a song I would like to hear live. I think that my number one Zuropa bucket list song would be Some Days Are Better Than Others. I can see it on the B stage. Absolutely. Just hamming it up. It's so clear in my head what that would look like today. The way they use the B stage for those, I mean, like desire and stuff like that, they fit into the dialogue, but the the frivolousness of and the fun that happens on that stage. That's the perfect word, frivolous. Like that. I think that's that's great. I'm gonna go with you on that. That's another song that I think is probably always relevant. I hate to use that word, relevant. But that's relevant today as much as it was in 1993. That's relevant as an almost 61-year-old as it was to a 33-year-old. Hey, we never did our shot for The Wanderer. Okay, to... Um, well, I was going to say, here's The Wanderlust. Perfect. Wanderlust. So I have a closing thought from The Edge. The songs aren't classics, but more experimental and interesting than most pop songs. And that's enough for us now. The end. (laughs) The end. So we can't let this go without mentioning that, what is it, 30 seconds to a minute into the end of The Wanderer, there is a really loud beeping sound. Yeah. Which sounds apocalyptic. But it's my understanding that it is the sound that a radio station will make when there's too much dead air so a DJ knows to get back on. Huh. I've read that multiple times. So, the thing I think that got me to the lounge singer, the Bono's lounge singer act aside from Ecclesiastes was that I think Edge said that when they wrote this song, they had in mind a Holiday Inn band. (laughs) And to me, that's it's a lounge lizard. That's the same thing. Yeah. So that's what kind of brought that into my head because, you know, like that that western like you know slow walking horse i don't know what the word is i'm gonna listen to this back and i'm gonna be like oh my god you're such an idiot for not knowing the term but you know what i'm talking about yeah that's that typical lounge singer yeah yeah but like the meandering cowboy not only just tell me to (laughs) shut the fuck up but that's what got shut the fuck up (laughs) edge said when they approached this song in their head, they were like a Holiday Inn band. Yeah, and I've seen fair. Holiday Inn bands before, and yeah. this is kind of what they sound like, except not Johnny Cash. But they have that, you know, slow cowboy, howdy ho. I don't even know what I'm. Yeah, I don't know. This album to me has just blown my mind. For so many years, I'm just like. Also said forever, it's my third least favorite U2 album. And I think it maybe has maybe bumped up a notch. Yeah. But just a notch, maybe. But I'm trying to think of what my... Yeah, it might be my... Actually, it might have bumped up to my fifth least favorite. It went from three to five, I think. Wow. I'm not going to discuss what the others, but I've already mentioned in episodes past that... My two least favorite are October and No Line on the Horizon. But who knows? Maybe I'll listen to... So, oh, this was a thing that I was going to say. There is something in 
Dirty Day that I hear. Like, Dirty Day feels like it should be on No Line on the Horizon. Interesting. I don't know why, but the beginning of that, that's what I heard in my car earlier today, and I meant to write it down, and I forgot. And then when I went to pee, I listened to it again, and I'm like, that's it. (laughs) It's amazing what happens in the bathroom. Yeah, there's something about that. But I'm hoping that No Line on the Horizon gets bumped up a notch or so, because... I hate that album, and I don't want to hate any album. I know. Actually, I think No Line on the Horizon is dead last. I think October is a step above. Wow. Yeah. That's big. I just, yeah, so hopefully... Well, if we can even get it to have... tie with October, that would be... No Line on the Horizon is pretty low on my list, but not for lack of trying. Okay, so, so we got to do one final shot, and then we got to sign off. Yeah, Zerupa, to, we love uh, you. To last calls, you don't have to go home. But you can't, but you can't stay, stay here. Lachaim. Lachaim. Well, thanks for coming to this Tart Talk, y'all, on Zeropa Part this 2. Was fun. This was fun. I just, God, I love this band. And I love this Pretty project. Deep. It's so eye opening. These songs, I feel like it, we take them so much for granted. And this is amazing. It really is. And I feel like. Our podcast and our listeners have just been such a recent, not recent, but always, but it's been way more important in the past year. Um, Absolutely. But just a lifeline to me. I don't know what I would do right now if I didn't have not just us, but a platform to discuss what's happening and what I love. This band is just my life. It's everything we love. And I mean, I have a life, but... It's just such an integral part of my... Absolutely. Well, especially you've been stuck at home with all this COVID stuff, so we all have. It's a nice thing to focus on. Do you want to wrap it up? I do want to wrap it up, yeah. Are you ready? Okay, friends. Well, until next time, may your music be loud and your whiskey be strong. (laughs) Four-sprung dirt technique? Did I say it right? No idea. <laughs> I have the chuz, but I, I don't know that I have the other German. And you were kind of laughing through it. <laughs> it was adorable. They're <laughs> awesome, guys. Peace, <laughs> y'all. <laughs> nah. I don't know. That's. Funny. I'm guessing that's how you say good night in German. <laughs> good night. Oh my god. Good night. <laughs> Got to go to bed after. 27 shots. <laughs>